please stop singing. Please stop. We cannot. We dare not continue. You hear what you're singing? <clears throat> A feast of love for us you are preparing. It's only day three of our Lenten fast, and we're already thinking about feast, and not just thinking about it, singing about it, counting on it, planning for it, setting the table and shining the silver. It's bad enough that we, prodigals all, are together rehearsing our contrite words. Now the Lenten fast has become little more than working up a good appetite for the banquet God is preparing for us when he pronounces us all forgiven, and we know he will. Friends, what are we doing? Has Lent, has life, become nothing more than rehearsing lines and play-acting? And we love this play because we already know it has a happy ending. And we really love the Lent scene because that's when we get to say those really great lines like, From depths of woe I cry to thee, and chief of sinners though I be. But of course you can't stop there because the Easter scene is really great too. And even though God says to us, you are dust, we know he doesn't really mean it. Well, he means it, but it's only temporary because we already know he's going to raise us up. So we're not really dust, but we do still find it all very meaningful. In fact, this sermon is probably going to fit right in because it already sounds like it's going to make us feel bad or guilty or sorry about something. And what, that's what Lent is for, right? To feel sorry. And we should feel sorry for our sins. And we want to feel sorry for them. And it's even good for us to feel sorry for them. But God doesn't want his children to be sorry all the time. So he turns our sorrow into joy. And in 37 days, he'll do it again. So let's hear what Jeremiah has to say. Surely a prophet who wrote a whole book of lamentations can make Lent really feel like Lent. But it's not the voice of Jeremiah. It's the voice of the Lord that we hear. If you will not listen to me, to walk in my law that I have set before you, and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I send to you urgently, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. <clears throat> wow, God is really getting into this. Notice how he uses such sharp words, frightening words even, words that make us want to run away. But of course, we run from him to him, where he is waiting for us with open arms to receive us. Thank goodness. We don't really have to worry about him turning this house into a new Shiloh or our city into a global curse. 
It's unthinkable. I mean, can you even imagine God, first of all, calling for himself a people from all the nations of the earth, then establishing them in a land that he provides, making his dwelling among them in a house with his name on it, filling that house, their homes, their lives, with his good gifts, then destroying it all so that not one stone is left on another, leaving an empty house in a lonely city. It's unthinkable. He would never do that here. We are the seminary of the Lord, the seminary of the Lord, the seminary of the Lord. But thus says the Lord of hosts, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, Give yourselves to other gods chasing after the latest theological fads, and then come and stand before me in my house and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Behold, I myself have seen you do it, declares the Lord. God is not mocked, and this is no play. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, says the Lord. Mend your ways and your deeds, says the Lord. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, says the Lord. God does not want us to be sorry. He wants us to be good. He may take me just as I am, but where does he ever say it would please him for me to stay just as I am? So, what then? Do we need more law in Lent? Do we say farewell to the gospel for these 40 days, just like we do to the A word? Should we mute the voice of the one who comes bringing good news, just like we veil his face in painting and crucifix? Add it to the list of sweet things that we give up for a season? Just because it's Lent, does that mean we don't get to hear the gospel? I begin to wonder whether or not we can hear the gospel. How has it come about that the house of God should be the place where I can safely cling to my sinning even while I let God deal with my sins? How has it happened that the gospel has become the firewall that prevents God from getting in and infecting me? Why should the charitable gift of the Spirit of the Lord be claimed by me as an exemption from the will of the Lord? Why do I inwardly rejoice to think that my adoption as God's Son in the waters of baptism liberates me from the privilege of living as his son.
And how often doesn't dining at his table satisfy my hunger and thirst for righteousness for another week? Can we hear the gospel when it has become something we take for granted? Or have our hearts grown dull so that we keep on hearing but never understand, keep on seeing but never perceive, a people who won't turn for healing, a people who have convinced ourselves that we can get painkillers to do what only an antibiotic can. Why has the Lord brought us to another Lent? I mean to ask, why are we still here? Certainly our earlier metaphor of watching over and over again a favorite movie is inadequate. But with what can we replace it? Well, I might suggest an analogy to an experience I've had many times, a conversation with a person in a language I'm only just beginning to understand. The patient speaker knows the extreme limits of my comprehension, so he repeats himself over and over again, sometimes slowing down, sometimes choosing simpler words, sometimes gesturing, sometimes writing out a word or two, sometimes giving me a silent pause in which to think. Still, the word of the Lord comes. Readers of Jeremiah have long noted that the prophet seems to have been commanded to preach this sermon more than once. The similarities between chapter 7 and chapter 26 are striking, and the words of 26.5, right before our passage begins, make this explicit. Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen, and you have not listened, Still, the word of the Lord comes. Patiently, again and again, the Lord calls to his people, trying to make them understand, trying to open up their hearts so he can put his word in there, so that it can work in them, so that they will mend their ways, they will be made new, so that they might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jeremiah's Jerusalem may have had their worries, but the one thing they were sure was all good was their relationship with their God. It had to be good, and they had to be safe because they were dwelling in the house of the Most High, the temple of the Lord, like a giant talisman around their necks. The temple of the Lord would guarantee their safety, the temple of the Lord even from the Lord himself. So certain and secure were they that they felt no further need to listen to the Lord, especially when he told them that things could not go on as they were. Every word of the Lord they did hear, they could easily turn into confirmation of their self-justification. It is no longer 
today for Jeremiah's Jerusalem. And sadly, their city did end up like Shiloh. But today, if you hear his voice, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.